you are privy to a super secret special ancillary edition of Behind the Buzz, a Public Fit Theatre Company's occasional podcast where we chat about the whole range of processes that are involved in creating our season of plays and stage readings. And today, we're trying something new. Our, our current production, uh, Alistair McDowell's X, has begun its four-week run at the Super Summer Theatre Studios and has already made a, a bit of a noise with its mind-bending sci-fi approach to, to storytelling uh, and theatrical uh, spectacle. Um, but beyond that, one of the themes of the play is the settled reality of global climate change and what that might look like for future generations. Um, now, in her, in her prep work for the production, APF's dramaturg Leia Flowers dragged Ginger Somerville into an early rehearsal. <laughs> Bear with me. Ginger is a local geologist and volunteer with the Las Vegas chapter of Citizens Climate Lobby, a nonpartisan group uh, focused on connecting climate-concerned citizens with their political representatives. And it was it was fascinating to listen to them talk about the play and, and, and her particular reaction to it. So we thought, you know, why not why not share that conversation? Uh, so I'm going to turn this this special BTB edition over to Leah uh, and let her make the formal introductions. I'm Leah Flowers, dramaturg for APF, and your host for this episode. For those who might not know what a dramaturg is, I support the production team by researching the historical and social context of a play. My guest today is Ginger Somerville, a geologist. And I know what you're thinking, what is a geologist doing on a theater podcast? Well, stick around and find out. But first, let's start with the setting of our play. X is set in a future where nothing was done to stop the climate crisis from making Earth nearly uninhabitable. Crew Captain Ray remarks, Earth is pissing its last and everyone's just looking at their shoes. Does that sound familiar? I think a lot of us are feeling some sort of climate anxiety, but we feel so powerless to stop global warming that we just try not to think about it. But as you will hear from today's guest, there are reasons to be hopeful still. Part of my job as a dramaturg is to help build bridges between artists and the community. And I've done that by connecting a public fit theater company with the Las Vegas chapter of the Citizens Climate Lobby. CCL is a global nonprofit, nonpartisan lobby group that helps regular people like you and me build relationships with their representatives to voice their climate concerns. And with that, let's bring in today's guest, Ginger Somerville. When she's not volunteering at Citizens Climate Lobby, Ginger is a geologist and certified environmental manager. Can you tell us what a certified environmental manager does? A CEM um, in Nevada is somebody who cleans, you might clean up soil and groundwater, you might do phase one or phase two environmental site assessments, which is something that's involved in commercial uh, property transfer. So there's lots of things that a CEM um, kind of certification is required for. Um, but what I do is I get, I get to, in my job, clean up soil and groundwater contamination, which is, you know, really exciting good for the planet. That's so amazing. And I've never met anyone who does that. So that's Surprise! really cool. There's not many of us here in town, but we do exist. <laughs> There's not many dramaturgs either, <laughs> but, but some of us exist. <laughs> okay. Well, I met Ginger when I attended my first CCL meeting and you know what? It felt really nice to be with people who are concerned about the climate crisis. And not only are they concerned, they're doing something about it. And they're also really optimistic about it. Is that what attracted you to CCL? Absolutely. So um, I actually first heard about CCL back when I was in college. So when I was in school for earth and environmental science, particularly the, uh, the professors of climate 
they were the ones who started talking uh, talking up CCL because CCL has a lot of scientific evidence based and kind of they've got economists on their team. So we're looking at it holistically from a scientific and academic standpoint. How might we potentially solve the climate crisis given where we are now politically, socially, economically? Um, so this is really they've CCL has come up with an evidence based kind of approach to how we might go about combating climate, the climate crisis. Um, so that was initially how I was introduced to CCL. Many years trans, many years passed, right? Um, and I got involved in our local chapter during pandemic. Who didn't need more things to do during pandemic? <laughs> so luckily, I found our local chapter in CCL. And yes, the hope was absolutely something that attracted me to CCL. That is one of our main messages because I think for years there, I felt like there's nothing, what can I do as an individual? You know, this is something that has driven me since I was a child. Eh, child, I was 16. So, you know, <laughs> at the time I didn't think it was a child. But um, when you're driven to make a change and you feel so hogtied as if you can't do anything, um, the message of hope and the message of, yes, we can and we are having an effect with a group of people is great. And I think it works because because you're working together. Yes. Yeah, you can't really do it alone. And when you try, it just feels impossible. Yes. Yeah. Yep, we are a group. Um, it's the interesting thing. It's a grassroots volunteer group, right? So it's just regular people. Mm -hmm. I might not be the best example of somebody for CCL because I have kind of a technical <laughs> background, but we're, we're people from across the spectrum, all different sorts of humans. Um, I just happen to also have a technical background. I'm the only one who has a technical background in our local chapter. So Right, and, and, and after I attended one meeting, you guys converted me, so now you have a theater person Thank <laughs> among you. your ranks as well. Yes, we're so excited. <laughs> Everybody has a way to contribute. CCL is great about bringing people into the fold and pro providing lots of different kind of training. I use that in mm -hmm, quotes mm -hmm. here. Um, training resources to kind of bring people up to speed who might not be super involved in what we can do now. Um, we've got an ability. If you have five minutes a month, I've got a way to connect you in with climate and really so you can make a shocking impact with mm -hmm. five minutes a month. It's true. Like when I was there, they asked me to, you know, just, just with five minutes, do this online form and then we'll send it off to your representatives. And I did it and it was just like, wow, that felt really good. And then it, what felt even better is when they all responded to me uh, via email. And it really felt like, you know, they said, we're listening. We, we understand you care about that. We're still voting this way. And, you know, that, that just made me feel like, wow, I, I can't, it, it was so little, but, but I still was able to be like, okay, they heard me. You know, and it, and it feels nice to not be just like, you know, thinking your only option is to, is to go volunteer, pick up garbage on your own. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Yep. Yeah. So in addition to kind of that, we actually do do garbage cleanups together, you right, know? Yeah. So we do that. Um, one of the things that we do and one of our goals in 2024 is supporting healthy forests. So we are involved in tree planting. We've got some connections with the Forest Service, um, but we also plant trees, which is really fun. Um, so if you want to come out and plant a tree, that'll help the climate crisis if you don't, if you have more than five minutes a month. 
Right. And, it, and that's more fun too, again, because you're with people. Like it just, it, it makes it so much more fun to do it with other people. It's, it's great to know that other people are concerned because I think, you know, a lot of us shout into the void of the internet mm-hmm. or into the echo chamber. And certainly we get a little bit of feedback that way that, you know, we're not alone, but also it doesn't feel very effective, at least to me, um, yeah. to shout into the void of the internet. <laughs> um, Cathartic for a moment, but yeah. Briefly. Yeah. yeah. Okay, um, so like, what what have you accomplished at CCL so far in your time with them that you feel like most uh, most proud of? Mm. So, I would say one of the things that I'm most proud of with CCL is simply making the local connections and better understanding, um, you know, how I can contribute with a minimal amount of time a month, right? Um, I have gotten to become a group leader. So there are leadership positions, not positions, we're, again, grassroots. Um, There are lots of opportunities to take on more of a leadership role with CCL, and I've been able to do that. I'm pretty proud about that. I've gotten to meet with some of our representatives, which (laughs) has been, like, just as a citizen, being able to sit down and have a connection with somebody who has, you know, the power to introduce legislation to Congress wow, can you, like, wow. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I think I would say succinctly getting, simply getting more involved has been the biggest reward, frankly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what's cool, too, is is when I looked a little more into CCL, I learned that um, in the last three years, six environmental protection laws have been passed because CCL works on the national level and the global level. But in the U.S., we've passed six laws um, that that help us get closer to our goal of reducing carbon emissions by 50% by 2030. And I just, like, that to me feels so hopeful because, like, not only are you guys saying you want to do it, but you're making it happen. The six laws have already been passed just in the last three years. It's so cool. Yep, so we, we, we connect our... Um, our citizens with our representatives, right? And we advocate, you know, I can, we can't take credit for having a law passed. Obviously that's our, that's our fabulous representatives, but that groundswell of support absolutely is instrumental. The IRA yeah. is the biggest climate legislation that has ever been passed. Wow. And so now, now let's figure out how to get, how to get that, um, legislation, how we're moving forward and actually using the funding in the IRA to make the best impact we can. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm sure people are thinking, okay, theater though. Yeah. No, (laughs) absolutely. Tell me about theater. Okay. So what happened was I invited Ginger to one of our rehearsals so that she could see uh, the process that we're in. She could see the story unfolding. And so now that we let's shift gears and talk about theater and, and let me know what did you think about the rehearsal? Like, first of all, what do you think the play itself is about? I felt that the play was a commentary on the human condition in many ways. The human condition and (laughs) what is real, the nature of reality, (laughs) I would say, which was ah, so good. Yeah, yeah. And and so did did you like the story? Do you... It connected with me in ways that I haven't been connected with with by a piece of art in years um I think that the play it it tells a story in a really relatable way 
I really connected with the characters throughout the play, um, and I really was invested in who they were as people and how they were all working together. Um, and then as the play progressed, it became more of a question of, you know, where are we? What are we? How did we get here? <laughs> um, and and what, what is real, you know? Mm-hmm. What's real and what's important? Mm-hmm. Exactly, what's important. And, and what, do you think, um, what do you think people will take away thinking about that? Like, what's, what do you think? I mean, maybe even just for you personally, you, you think about for yourself what's important. Um, one of the things that is important that I took away from this is the importance of human connection, mm-hmm. you know? And the quality, not the quantity, but the quality of the connections around you, be they romantic or platonic or in kind of a leadership position, but the, the connections of, between people with different personalities and how that can make us grow as individuals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think that um, for Gilda and Ray, they're very, or not Ray, sorry, Clark, um, they're very different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, she's all business and he's all play pretty much mm-hmm. in the beginning. And, uh, you know, over the course of the play, they become closer than anyone else. No, I can't be expected to do unpaid work. Off world unpaid work, which is often hazardous. It's cleaning a wall. No, that's not my bit. I'm in a union. We're all in a union. But what happens if I go to do it and I slip? (laughs) And I fall down, right? And then, and then, I'm not just stranded on a cold, dark rock in space. I'm stranded on a cold, dark rock in space with a broken leg or arm or spine with very limited medical facilities. Can you listen to me? Look, you don't want to go back to work. I find a lawsuit waiting for you, do you? I mean, I, I, that would take a shine off the rescue, don't you think? Can you listen to me for a second, please? All I've asked you to do is... Why am I cleaning it up? Oh, are you using I want to clean it up? I'm just trying to... No, but I'm not joking about the union. Well, call them then! Call them. And do you think it's the circumstance itself, like the 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 fact that they're stuck <laughs> together? Oh my gosh, I have been wondering that. I actually don't know. I have an answer. Was it circumstance? Was it destiny? I don't know. But that's <laughs> one of the things that it's actually stuck with me and made me wonder. Because initially, you know, I I wasn't a huge fan of Clark. <laughs> but as as we got to know him throughout the play, I actually became much more of a of, of a fan of his. And yeah. You know, I, I think that's funny because um, Clark has been one of my favorites <laughs> in the <laughs> beginning. <laughs> and I think it's probably, I don't know if it has to do with just Josh Berg's charisma <laughs> that makes him so likable. But, you know, he plays it in a way that's just really playful, you know, and like he's just having fun, mm-hmm. you know. And like even when he does things like uh, where there's a scene where he's like annoying Cole, <laughs> like the way he does it is just like really fun to watch, you know. Joyful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's joyful, and it's, like, kind of like siblings mm-hmm. <laughs> pestering oh. each other. <laughs> oh, that intimacy. I think there was a lot of, of kind of different forms of intimacy throughout this play, which I just I just loved, because that's so true in real life. You know, you have various people who come into your life and change you in one way or another, and yeah. It's so true. You know, sometimes you meet somebody, and you don't think you've got much in common and you don't think you'll get along mm-hmm. and then they become someone who really 
changes you for the better, you know? Absolutely. That's, yeah, that's something I love too about this play is watching each character, how they affect each other. Mm -hmm. I think for, for the most part in positive ways, you know, even, even if they don't always get what they want. And I think (laughs) in, for a lot of this, they don't get what they want. So what's coming up at a public fit? Well, Alistair McDowell's X continues its run at the Super Summer Theater Studios through March 4th. Evening shows on Friday, Saturday, and those Monday industry nights uh, with matinees on Sundays. Check out apublicfit.org for specific dates and showtimes. Then at the end of March, we're back at the library for Lauren Gunderson's uproarious exit pursued by a bear and then our final main stage show in association with vegas theater company dancing at lunasa by brian friel will be presented downtown at the art square theater in april finally the pavilion by craig wright closes out our 10th season with a staged reading the last weekend in june back at the flamingo library as always a quick visit to a publicfit.org puts it all in perspective and of course future episodes of behind the buzz will help keep you involved in our unending conversation um so what was it like to watch the rehearsal because you know you didn't see a fully mounted production there was no tech elements you know actors were in their street clothes no lighting you know (laughs) what was that like wildly cool so I used to be involved in theater when I was in high school and a little bit in college as well and it just took me back to this moment that is a layer of intimacy that I, I, you know, I've forgotten about that intimacy of being able to see behind the scenes to really get to see the work in progress. Oh my God, that was amazing. Now, granted it was a rehearsal, but it was still so moving. I can't wait. Like I'm so excited. I have been telling (laughs) all of my friends about this play and I've been like, all right, so you're going to come on this day or eight and you're going to come. This is what (laughs) I'm, I'm trying to pull in people because it was so good. Like I'm getting the chills just thinking about it, honestly. <laughs> I, you know, that's so great that you feel that way. I felt that way, too. Uh, I was invited on the project, and I and I read it while we were still working on our last project, and I would I would get chills at, at certain points just reading it, and then I would, like, talk to Jake. Uh, Jake Staley is the director um, about it and, like, get chills just thinking about it, talking about it, you know, and, and like... That's and and I think you're right too. It's like the people that make the theater are part of what makes it amazing. Like I was just saying to um, my husband yesterday, like if I met a famous person, you know, like a really big name celebrity, I don't think I would feel nearly as excited as I feel <laughs> just walking into rehearsal and like and and connecting with these people because there's something so tangible about that. Yeah, it's so far removed when it's a famous celebrity. Mm -hmm. But when that person is there and you can give them a hug after watching, you know, a very moving scene and be like, man, you know what you did as an artist touched me like that's just you can't get that anywhere else. It's amazing. No, it was it was amazing. It's amazing to have, again, that intimacy with the people who are putting on the production. And at that Part of me was like, how are are you are we sure that these people aren't famous? Because their acting was (laughs) so good. Right. mind blowing. It's so true. Like I I think the biggest one of the biggest things that that frustrates me working at APF is just not being able to pay the artists <sighs> what they're worth. I they're so amazing. Like they just they bring everything and I leave every rehearsal and I, and I crave going to rehearsal. Mm-hmm. And then when I'm there I'm like, "Oh, soul food," you know, because <laughs> and I I really wish, yeah, that they that you know, if I was, you know, a, a millionaire, I'd be just funneling it into <laughs> APF, probably. 
So do you think this play addresses the climate crisis in an effective way? We don't want to be heavy handed with it. We don't want to beat people over the head, but I do think it's a major theme of it. Yeah. So I was, um, again, chatting with one of my friends and this came up. I think that it handles the climate crisis in a real, in not only a new way, but also a way that gets people to start thinking and imagining Mm. and connecting without hitting people over the head, if Mm -hmm. you will, Mm -hmm. or perhaps reiterating the message of emergency, emergency, do things now without giving, you know, which is a message that I'm sorry, we've all gotten for long enough. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, It is, you know, we're all well aware and that doesn't, that message doesn't help. So I think that the play in, in dramatizing kind of the future has really allowed people to kind of open their mind to something that maybe they haven't before. Yeah. Very effective. Uh, honestly, I don't, I don't know that you could be more effective. <laughs> Lucinia, Lucinia Megarinkos, Nightingale. You can't just say Nightingale. That's not the point though, is it? You throw them a lot, right? Of course I do. Yeah, but a lot, though. Like, like, arguably too much. And do you know why? Because it's nice. Of course it's nice. It goes without saying it's nice. I wouldn't do it that often if it's just nice. Because it's really nice. I do it so I don't forget. I, you know, and I did read something uh, one time that said part of the reason that people aren't involved more in, in caring about the climate crisis and trying to address it is because they cannot imagine what that's like. Mm-hmm. And this play gives you a chance to, to sit for a couple hours and feel what, 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 what would that be like if we just didn't do anything? Right. Yeah. Absolutely. What would it be like if we didn't do anything? What, you know how are humans going to react to that? What are, what are the emotions? It brings up a lot of the emotions that may, may come up for us at that point. So, yeah. And I think that's important too, because a lot of people have just kind of gone numb to it. And I think, I think we do need to feel that pain a little bit because what's interesting is when I went to the CCL meeting, there was a mention of climate grief and that's not something I had ever heard before. That's a concept I hadn't thought of. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I, I think that's true because we're losing something and we need to, to go through a process of grief. We need to, and, and, and I know that, um, you know, there's sort of like the six stages or the five stages, whatever it is, um, where you have to like feel a bit of anger. And I think a lot of us are kind of in a stage of denial at the moment. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like what's, what's great about this play um, is not only it gives you a chance to see what it's like, it, it gets you in touch with that grief a little bit. So you can feel a little bit sad. You can feel a little bit angry about the climate crisis because otherwise we'll just keep being numb and just keep sleepwalking <laughs> into a warmer climate. Absolutely. Absolutely. The, the idea of grief. And I do agree with you that this kind of opens the door just, just a crack to allow you mm-hmm. to kind of walk towards that grief and approach mm-hmm. it in a way that, that is less scary. But um, that's interesting that that's a new, that, that was a new concept for you here. Yeah. You know, me being like <laughs> a little down here in the trenches. I was like, of course, everybody knows about climate grief. Um, 
No, not me. Really? Okay. No. And and I and I I've cared about the climate since I was a kid. You know, I I used to I was the first one like growing up where I had like a recycling bucket next to our um, garbage can, and I would like sort of get on my family's case about like don't put the can there, put it in the recycling. You know. Thank you. So <laughs> so I've cared for a long time about it, and still I no I hadn't heard of like climate grief being a thing. Yeah. It um. It, it's strong enough to the point where uh, those of us who had to learn about it in school, we probably should have had a grief counselor somewhere <laughs> on, on staff. Like, oh, gosh, don't take an ecology course. It's the saddest thing in the world. Um, but it, one of the things that, at least when I've gone through periods of grief in my own personal life, that has really been, really been helpful for me is to share that grief with other people. And I think CCL kind of lets you do that. And mm-hmm. this play, mm-hmm. more moreover, allows you to kind of connect with other people and be in a space where you're not alone. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That That's something that's unique about theater is you can go there together, have this experience. And th- and what what's great too is each performance is so ephemeral that it's here and then it's gone and you can't experience it again. So it's like it's this unique event that you share with a group of like 100 people or or so that are in the audience you know and then and what's nice too with APF is they always do talkbacks you know we always do the buzz afterward and so you can if you really want to to talk to someone about what you just saw and share it with the people you just experienced it with you Mm -hmm. have that chance and when we did um indecent you know a lot of people because you know the Hamas and and all that stuff the the war in Israel is going Mm -hmm. on right now or the conflict um and then people because because indecent is about like a Jewish theater troupe you know there were Jewish people in the audience and and they I I remember one woman said I feel so safe right now and I just don't want to leave and it was yeah it was so moving to me because I I was like I'm so glad we could give that to her I'm so glad that we could share that together and, and provide a space where she felt safe and I think I hope for a similar thing with with X I hope that people who need to grieve it a little bit can go and like be there with other people, feel that connection, and and start a conversation about it. You know, absolutely. I'm excited for these talkbacks. I don't think I've ever been to a talkback. Oh really? So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm a little old, not not super involved in theater anymore over here. Um, so I'm super excited for the talkback. I'm super excited to have that experience of of communing and connecting with people who just observed the same the same piece that I did so yeah because and it's similar how like you'll go get a cup of coffee with your friend after a show Mm -hmm. and chat with them but you know it's really cool because you can do it with the actors and sometimes designers are there and uh and usually Joe and Anne-Marie are there because you know there are there are leaders and uh and uh and I'll be there if you guys want to hear more from your friendly neighborhood dramaturg (laughs) totally absolutely want to I could talk your ear off I still have questions for you we'll bring them on um, okay, so as as you were preparing for this play, I think that um, you and I had spoken outside of this podcast, and I think you'd mentioned doing some research with mm. um, people who have, like, NASA and people who have, you know, looked at living in off-world, essentially. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. how are we going to live off-world? What is that going to be like? Mm-hmm. Have you ever talked to somebody about the, psych- the, the psychology of the people who are chosen to go off-world? Well, I, uh, unfortunately, I haven't had the opportunity to talk to people about that, but I did do some research on yeah. it. 
Um, there was a, a mission called the My Mars 500 mission, and it was the European Space Agency, Roscosmos, and the Chinese National Space Agency, and they put together uh, six healthy male crew members in a 550-meter cube chamber for 520 days. And the idea was to simulate what it's like to go to Mars and return. And so oh. they were allowed to do whatever they wanted. They could sleep, exercise, watch movies, snack, whatever. Um, and if they wanted to call home, they could do that too. But there oh. was like a 20-minute delay because that would simulate what mm. it's really like. Mm -hmm. um, and all but one of the guys started suffering uh, really bad like depression, insomnia. They started having more aggressive feelings, specifically not with each other, but they had more aggressive feelings toward uh, like the ground command like team that they were in contact with. Fascinating. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so interesting to learn about. And how did that kind of influence, did that influence, did that influence the play at all? Did that influence or, or inform? I, I hope so. I did talk to the actors about it when I first met all of them, even before I had finished my acting packet. Um, and I also looked a little bit further into like solitary confinement and mm. how that affects people. Um, and actually the numbers aren't great for that. Uh, people who suffer any kind of solitary confinement after they're released, they have higher rates of opioid overdose, homicide and suicide. Um, and by pretty significant numbers. What about you? Why did you want to come out here? Tax freeze, pretty good. It's a perk. You, you get to keep all of your money. And there are easier ways to avoid tax. I liked the idea, like be, being an astronaut. Yes. I liked all the old films. Ah, simple. Yeah. And the last cowboy. And it's all right. I mean, the food's pretty bad. Yeah, it's the same. No. It's just the same as back then. Not a burger, though. Oh, no, I remember when meat was come from animals, not a production line of petri dishes. It tastes the same. Yeah, how would you know? They say. Oh, they say, of course they say. Well, they love to say, they taste like shit. And, and I know also that all of us lived through a pandemic, so for, for anyone who sort of took the lockdown seriously, they got a little bit of a taste of what that's like in a comfortable environment. Mm -hmm. You know, you're in your house with your loved ones, and you can eat whatever you want, you know, and you can walk around the neighborhood, but still, I mean, personally at least, I found that very difficult. I, after a couple years, I was uh, not in a great place emotionally. <laughs> you yep. know? Like, I wouldn't say I had insomnia or depression, but like, just where I was was in an unhappy place, you know, and mm -hmm. it was it took months to shake that off. So I can't even imagine like if you're in yeah, a spaceship and you're going uh, to to Mars. I mean, it takes months to get there. And in our play, um, they go to X and, and in the script, it says it takes six months, which is impossible. <laughs> the technology that we have now, but even six months would be just like, I can't imagine how you could tolerate that. Right. The people who would be selected for a mission like this, you know, mm -hmm. you would you would think that they'd go through massive um, psycho psychological evaluation because I certainly could not. <laughs> having oh, lived no. through a pandemic, yeah, yeah. I don't think that that is the option for me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I'm sure that there are people out there. I know that there are people out there. I know some of them who would be like, yeah, man, put me on that spaceship. Give me the six <laughs> months away from all the other humans. Like... <laughs> Um, but I, you know, some of the characters in this play, I could absolutely see them being one of those people who's like Cole, I believe, especially, yeah, yeah. um, was, I was like, yep, you are absolutely somebody who I could see being mm -hmm. on this mission, being selected, um, 
knowing kind of the the psychological evaluation, I could see why he would be there. But at the same time, where is he now, and what does that mean? Mm. <laughs> mm. It's so good. You're you're right too. Um, I so I did also some research on uh, what does it take to be an astronaut because you know I figured that would help the actors get into character, understand what type of person would be chosen. Period. Um, and there are a lot of qualifications. First of all, you have to have some kind of like. Um, like post-secondary education you have to have like it has to be like science based also mm -hmm. um and then they look for pilots but that's not required to be a pilot you have to have g-force training <laughs> in nasa's t-38 jets um you have to have so many hours per month you know uh, and and the whole process of becoming an astronaut takes two years you know so you have to get your own education first then you have to go through their um training and selection process and uh once you're selected you have to do this military water survival where you have to um you have to pass a swimming test by swimming 25 meters in a flight suit with tennis shoes on like <laughs> you know? so there is definitely like i feel like you have to be the type of person who has um what's the word like just a, an iron will i guess ah uh, you know what yes I mean? absolutely <laughs> you have to be that type of person who will not give up and i also remember reading an interview with an astronaut who who said because they asked what what would what would you do if you know you're 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 doing an EVA you're doing a spacewalk mm -hmm. and your flight suit is like failing and you, you know you can't get back in time and you have to fix this thing what would you do what would be going through your head and and he said I would just work till my last breath and I just thought like oh my god what kind of person like I'm not astronaut material <laughs> if that's the right. case I'd probably be melting down inside the suit <laughs> oh what do you mean I, I know right. <laughs> It, it's a different breed of, of, of person, I feel like. It's a, just a different outlook on life yeah. to be selected for that or to be interested in that. And so kind of taking a number of these people who probably... I would imagine, you know, in the future when the climate crisis has come to pass um, and it maybe the selection criteria might be a little bit less stringent. <laughs> you um, would explain Clark maybe a little bit? <laughs> Perhaps it would be a little bit less stringent, but I don't know. I mean, I could see I could see Clark being passing that for sure. You yeah, know? I mean, pimps like him live in the present. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. He, he just reminded me of so many of my friends um, in, in some ways. He was... That was one of the crazy things to, about about this play to me is I just immediately connected with each of these characters. Yeah. They seemed like somebody who I was like, oh, yeah, I have a, kind of a quote-unquote mind map for who this person is in real life. Um, and I just immediately wanted to know everything about all of them. The right? characters are so interesting. And that's that's a testament to good writing. That's oh. Alistair McDowell like, making the characters so interesting. Like Each one, they're all so different. But, it, you know, you're so interested from the word go that you're like, no, but what makes this person tick? And how is their story going to unfold, you know? Uh -huh. Like, yeah, I, I felt the same way. I just, I immediately was like, no, I got to know more about I Clark. Know. I got to mm -hmm. know more about Ray. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just so well written. Well, do you have other questions? I guess what's next for a public fit? Oh, well, uh, so after this, our next main stage show is dancing at Lunasa. I'm dramaturg for that as well. Okay. Um, and it is it is a place set in 1936 Donegal, Ireland, or or a small town outside of it, and uh, and it's sort of a memory play, but uh, it's it's different and interesting because um, 
it's not a like the way it's written it's sort of skeptical <laughs> about memory and it and it makes comment about how you know you can't really remember things the way they happen and you know with neuroscience at the moment we already know that's true you you don't remember mm-hmm. things the mm-hmm. way they really happen uh you know but it's interesting the way that um, the approach they take to it. It's not just about uh, skepticism, but it's sort of like anti-sentimentality. Even, even as you're watching it and, and, you, and you feel for these characters, um, but not, there's no pity, you know, even though they're, kind of, they're all sort of um, poor, mm-hmm. but you don't feel sorry for them because they don't feel sorry for themselves. You know, so it's an interesting play. It won many awards. It is written by Brian Friel, who is an Irish playwright. Um, so I hope everyone comes to see that as well. Yeah, <laughs> I can't wait. You know, we've got Barbara Brennan. She is an Emmy Award winner. So, you know, she's our director for that. And, you know, it'll be a good time if she's at the helm as well. <laughs> that sounds lovely. <laughs> Well, that's about all the time we have. I want to thank our guest, Ginger Somerville, for joining us today. And I want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in. Ginger, where can people find out more about the Citizens Climate Lobby? Well, if you're like me, you can Google Citizens Climate Lobby, and that will take you to our main webpage. Um, Our local Las Vegas chapter can be found through that webpage. Um, You can also sign up. We get a lot of people who come from Volunteer Match. So if you're on Volunteer Match, you can sign up that way as well. Awesome. So everyone, please come see X. It is one of my favorite productions, maybe my favorite that I've ever worked on, aside from Indecent, of course. (laughs) This is the type of play that will stick with you long after the show has ended, um, as I think Ginger would agree. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. You will be thinking about it days and weeks later. So Behind the Buzz is a product of a public fit theater company. It's directed by Anne-Marie Pereth and Joe Kukin. It is recorded, mixed, and edited by Diane Walton. And your host for this episode has been me, Leia Flowers. Please review Behind the Buzz and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to reach out, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at behindthebuzz at apublicfit.org.